Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm the Glasgow Comets, John McKellar. And I'm Jason Dare, former president and Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. Jason, uh, we're still in lockdown. COVID-19 is still wreaking havoc with baseball across the world, including uh, here in Scotland. Um, we don't really have any further updates to offer anyone on that, on that front. Um, Major League Baseball doesn't seem to have anything concrete. I know that they're still banding around ideas. Um, so we are kind of left again without too much uh, present day stuff to talk about. But we've uh, we've found one or two things to fill the gap with. We have a very special guest coming on the show. I know a guy that you've known for quite some time. Uh, Graham Nelson will be joining us. Yes, I've known Graham. He was one of the first people I met with Edinburgh Baseball. Uh, he's a longtime friend of mine and yeah, a really interesting guy. He should have some, a couple of good stories to tell about his time playing baseball in Scotland. Look forward to speaking to Graham. I don't believe we've ever met. Um, but from what I hear, he is a Yankees fan. Unfortunately, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with regards to the Yankees, actually, a nice segue today, um, in kind of lieu of having anything interesting to talk about, we are going to test each other's loyalty, so to speak. Um, we are going to do, off the back of the quiz that we did last time on the show, we're going to do a quiz each. Uh, now, I will be quizzing you on your team, the Mariners, and you'll be quizzing me on my beloved Yankees, and we'll see how we get on. Um, I'm going to win this by a mile. The Mariners lay around for 40 years where you've got 100 years of history. <laughs> yeah, I um, must admit that there's certain eras of the New York Yankees that I'm quite confident. I, I'm going to have 1903 to 1905 Yankees I'm going to quiz you on. So, you know, I hope you studied up. Where were the Highlanders at that point in time? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. That could be a question on here. Hmm. I know they were, the, they, were the, they were the original Baltimore Orioles and then they became the Highlanders and then the Yankees. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, what do you say we just get right in about it then? Let's jump into the quiz. You want to go first? You want me to ask or you want to ask me? Um, I'll ask your questions first. Um, we'll get the, the easy one out of the way. <laughs> and then I'll embarrass myself later. I'll, I'll give myself a wee stay of execution. All right. Okay, so there's five questions. And the first one is, who is... The Mariners all-time walks leader. All-time walks walks leader. I wouldn't say Felix Hernandez. It's for a batter, sorry. Oh, for batters. Yeah. Uh, then it'll probably be Edgar Martinez. That's correct. Uh, Edgar Martinez walked one thousand two hundred eighty-three times as a Mariner. Uh, obviously, played most of his career as a DH and uh, formidable DH at that. It's not a surprise that he would walk as much as he did, especially. Um, Sort of certainly before guys like Griffey and stuff like that came to their own, the, he he wasn't really in stacked lineups, so he would have probably had a lot more. There would have been a lot more kind of incentive to walk him certainly at certain parts of his career, put it that way, than there would have been in the late nineties with the stacked lineups that they had then. Yes, um, there's a great series on uh, SB Nation Dorktown. And the Mariners there. And uh, yeah, they, they kind of cover the, those 90s teams of the Mariners. is, is an amazing documentary. Such a, a, an insane decade for the, for the Mariners, obviously, in the 80s. The late 80s, along comes Griffey. Um, there were ups and downs, but then, obviously, Randy Johnson, Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Griffey, Alex Rodriguez were all on that team at the same time at Once Upon a Time. Yes. Absolutely insane lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, moving on to the next question. As you know, Jason, the Seattle Mariners' inaugural season was the 1977 season. How many 
wins did they achieve in the American League that year? I'm going to guess 64. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well done. Well, it, was... it wasn't going to be a whole lot, so you knew it was going to be the yeah. somewhere. See, I was good. I was. I, I did that one thinking there's no way he's going to get the exact number, but he did. <laughs> it, was, it was a pure guess. It was in the 60s, so it was, you know, I was like, okay, but yeah, yeah. 64 is about. Would you say that's about average actually for an expansion team for for the most part, unless they have like a, it, unless they have the, any team not named the New York Mets, put it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, your third question of five is uh, who. As a Mariner, no hit the Red Sox on 22nd of April 1993. It's Chris Bazio. Completely correct, yes. Do you remember what the score was? Oh, gosh, it was like a blowout. It was like 11 nothing. It was 7 nothing. He allowed two base runners. And uh, the 7 nothing is the uh, largest margin for a Mariner's no-hitter, uh, as my research has, has borne out. Um, also, Chris Bazio became the first right-hander to pitch a no-hitter for the Mariners. Yeah, I want to say, I can't remember who did the first one. It was like 1990 was the first note there for the Mariners, but the name's drawn a blank. <laughs> um, okay, we'll move on to the next question. You've got, uh, well, you're three for three so far. And I think you'll get this next one. I wanted to make this one easy because I thought those last two would be more <laughs> difficult. <laughs> um, two Mariners have won the American League MVP award. Can you name them both and the years they won them? Oh, gosh. Well, that'd be Griffey and Aaron. And that would be, well, I guess, no, actually it's not. It's Ichiro. Ichiro won in 2001. And it would have been, uh, oh gosh, did A-Rod or did the Griffey win it? I think it was actually A-Rod in uh, 98. Oh, you're only half correct. Ichiro, of course, won the uh, both the Rookie of the Year and MVP award in 2001. Um, however, Ken Griffey Jr. won the American League Most Valuable Player Award in 1997. Uh, I can't remember which one. It was one of those. So, um, so the perfect uh, the perfect record is now gone. Yep. But let's see if you can uh, yep. end on a strong note. Um, how many Gold Gloves did Harold Reynolds win as a Mariner? Uh, I'm gonna guess four. That's incorrect, I'm afraid. Harold Reynolds won three ah. Gold Glove Awards in back-to-back years, uh, 1988, 89 and 90. So you uh, were three and a half for five. Yep. Not too bad. Okay. So I've got, I've got ten questions for you. So Oh, dear. <laughs> so I, I did my research. But, you know, they're fairly easy ones. But, uh, okay. We should be okay. <laughs> All right. So, so here, here's your first softball. Uh, okay. Uh, what was the first team name of the Yankees? They were originally the Baltimore Orioles. You're correct. All right. Number two. Uh, who, who was the first person to have a number retired by the Yankees? Lou Gehrig. Correct. Yep. So that was the first uh, number retired in all of Major League Baseball. That's right. Yeah, it was after the ceremony where he gave the the emotional speech, yep. the luckiest man speech. The luckiest man speech, yep. yep. So I've kind of picked a couple of iconic moments, but i got a couple of curveballs here for you. Okay. Um, the Yankees were the first team to use numbered uniforms. Which year was that? I believe it was in the early 2010, uh, early 1910s. <sighs> Could have been a bit later. It's a tough one, like I said. It's, it's, it's probably... Yeah. So... 
I'm going to hazard a guess and say 1917. Nope. 1929. No. But it was 1916. It was when the Yankees started wearing pinstripes the first time. Ah, yes. Okay. I think, yeah. All right. Question okay. four. Uh, Aaron Judge is one tall man for the Yankees, but he's not the tallest player even on his team. But that's not the question. Who is the tallest Yankee player to ever suit up? Well, obviously, Randy Johnson, six feet ten. Yep, correct. Yeah. <laughs> he only played for a few years, but I thought I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 05 to 07. Yep, it wasn't long. Yeah. Um, right. So in 1984, two Yankees were battling out to the end of the season on the last day to win the batting title. Who were they? If I have uh, an albatross, as the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Yankees in the 80s. Quick, John. I have no idea. <laughs> so it went down to Dave Winfield and Don Manley. So Dave went into the day leading it, but he went one for five, whereas Manley went, I think, four for five. Let me just double check that. Uh, to take the bag title from. Mm-hmm. Oh, did Manley play that early for the Yankees? See, if I had realized that he had played that early, I probably would have guessed Mattingly. But I remember him from the early and mid nineties. Yes, but I guess he was a Yankee for a hell of a long longer than I than I realized. Yes, um, he also kind of he left just as I was kind of getting into baseball as well. So I've only ever heard the stories about Don Mattingly. I never really got a chance to watch him. So this will be interesting because Graham likes Don Mattingly. So I put this one in there for both of you guys. Cool, uh, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, uh, and who did the Yankees lose to in the nineteen ninety five playoffs? That's just cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, said it's, okay. Um, all right. Here, here's the one. That, if you get this one, like you just need to stop podcasting. Uh, or if you uh, get this wrong, which Yankee won Rookie of the Year in 1970? Thurman Munson. Correct. Yep. He made his debut in late 1969. Uh, one rookie of the year, nineteen seventy. Okay, number eight. We got three to go. How many times did Billy Martin manage the Yankees? I think it was six times. Close five. Five. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, because he was there for as little as literally a matter of weeks, I believe. Yes. Yeah. He, at one point, <laughs> quite a contentious relationship. Yeah, Billy Martin was, of course, uh, brilliantly played by John Turturro in the excellent series The Bronx is Burning. I don't know if you ever saw that no, one. No, I haven't heard of it. What, what's it about? It's about the 1977 Yankees uh, set against the backdrop of the Son of Sam killings um, and obviously the heat wave uh, that hit New York City over that summer. It's very, very good. I would recommend trying to look it out if you can. Cool, yeah. I'll give it a shot. I don't know. I think it was an HBO series. Right, awesome. Or maybe Showtime. I might know ways of watching those things over here. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can either confirm or deny, and I won't push. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, how much did New Yankee Stadium cost to build? Oh, um, one point six billion dollars. Uh, you were close. One point five. One point five. Yeah, I think it actually overall it went over the two billion mark in, in the I'm end. Sure. Yeah. When you add other factors, but yeah. Well, I'm going with the, what the internet tells me. So the internet is always correct. 
<laughs> of course it is. Yeah, Donald Trump is a Hall of Fame caliber uh, hitter, as we all know. Okay. <laughs> Number 10. In 1973, George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees. How much did he pay for them? Not as much as you would think. I think it was something between... It was between 7 and $9 million. You're correct on that bit. Yeah, I'll say... Seven point eight million dollars. Uh, said even getting around that area, he paid eight point seven million from. C- was it eight point seven? Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Not bad. Not bad. I'm quite happy with that. We'll see how Graham gets on later. Yeah, I didn't want to make anything too tough and too obscure. I tried to do kind of more general stuff that you probably would have a, a decent guess on these events instead of kind of going, "All right, name uh, the murderers or lineup." <laughs> a couple. I, I mean, who was on that lineup? It was Gehrig. Ruth. It was Ruth. Gosh, uh, was it Tony Larazzi? Lazeri, yeah, Tony Lazeri was there. Gosh. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Whitey Ford, did he pitch for them at the time? (laughs) Exactly. Beyond my knowledge of of tracking the stuff down, but... (laughs) Okay, Um, so we've both done pretty well, I think, uh, for such an off-the-cuff idea as we try to fill these podcasts uh, with, uh, with something to talk about rather than not doing them, obviously, as we have done for about a month or so before last week's episode. Now, I do want to touch on last week's episode. I've noticed uh, when listening back that there were some technical issues. Uh, once again, you appear to become clairvoyant about halfway through <laughs> the episode. I don't know what's happening there. Like The sound is overlapping, um, so we'll have to try and work, work out what that is. Hopefully, this episode will go off without a hitch. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but uh, before we move on to our guest, let's talk about the Bump Bailey uh, Wax Pack Tournament of Awesome. Tournament of Awesome. Uh, yeah, something along those lines. I think it's uh, that's what it's called, isn't it? It is. Okay. Um, let's talk about our first round victory, um, which uh, as of now has been recorded. Um, we are about to record our second round matchup. Obviously, that hasn't uh, happened yet, but we, uh, by the time this episode comes out, the, the episode that we were on for round one will be available and uh, we did win quite uh, against Enfield Fly Girl quite convincingly in fact we set records we did, we, did. we have the highest yeah. all time record of the score uh, you yeah. guys are probably going, what the hell are they talking about so um, these guys the two strike noise guys um, do a podcast on baseball history I quite enjoy it, I've listened to I think I'm pretty much up to date with all their stuff there. And they, um, for a bit of fun, they, they get some uh, packs of cards from the 80s because they're cheap and uh, have a competition between the two co-hosts. And uh, they have a 1992 Beckett, which has like the price guides for all the cards there. So we're going by the prices in 1992. And you get extra points if the player has a mustache and if he's wearing real stirrups or not. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a, if we had this fun, it was, it was a. a Interesting, actually, talking to those guys in person after listening to all their podcasts. Um, and, yeah, we, it was uh, a lot of fun. And we, we had um, one card that set the record for the highest amount and uh, history of that. They've had about 50 podcasts or more now. So, yeah. That, so, there you go. We came, we saw, we conquered. We did. We kicked ass. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> we look forward to doing round two. And uh, certainly, we would... Uh, Obviously, urge everyone listening to check out our first round matchup and all the rest of uh, the Two Strike Noise guys shows as well. Uh, I've heard the show from time to time. I try and keep up with it as much as I can uh, with my litany of other podcasts I'm listening to. But uh, 
class act and uh, thank you very much to those guys obviously for for having for keeping us in mind and bringing us on to that yeah I'm, I'm chuffed about them uh, i i enjoy chatting to those guys the, the podcast is great they do a lot of really obscure history of baseball and it's right up my alley yeah so let's uh, move on to our guest uh, this evening uh, this will be Graham Nelson, a former member of the Edinburgh Diamond Devils when you were there. Correct, yeah? and he was going to play for Aberdeen uh, and just didn't have the time to do so, but I'm sure he'll go into details about that. And we're joined by our guest, Graham Nelson, now, Jason. Yes, Graham. Graham's an old friend of mine. Uh, he was one of the first people I'd met when I joined the Diamond Devils back in 03. Um, and we've been best mates ever since. He's still kind of involved in the game, just may not be playing enough. And I'm pretty excited to have him on. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thank you very much for joining the show, Graham. Uh, now, you and I haven't really, I don't think we've met, and uh, we haven't really ever had much of a discussion. Uh, so it's great to get a chance to talk to you and uh, hear your story. Um, before we get into your baseball journey here, um, I believe that my co-host has a quiz that he wants to run by you. <laughs> this should be interesting. It, it's just a nice, simple 10 questions about your favourite team, which is New York Yankees. Yay! <laughs> so are John and I going head to head in this. Is this what's going to happen? Well, John's already got his answers down, and we'll we'll see how you do, and, and maybe there's a prize for that. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll dangle something like a, <sighs> some sort of 1980s Yankees card there, because I think that's about all I can afford these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Let's see. Let, let, let me see how much I can embarrass myself. All right. So, what what was the first t- Yankees team name? <laughs> Oh gosh, it's bouncing around in the back of my head. Oh, is it like something? Oh, I want to say something horsey, but I don't think it is. Like the, it's not Broncos or something, is it? No, it's not the Highlanders either. Uh, uh, it's not the Highlanders. Okay. There was another name before that. John got this one correct. Yep, uh, they were the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees were the original Baltimore Orioles. No way. Well, there you go. I told you this was going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean? You don't know your 1901 baseball? Have you not been studying that? Uh, no, I didn't think we were going to go that far in the future. I've been I've been studying Scottish baseball for in the 1880s for the last little while. So if you've got any of that, then that's fine. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, question number two: Which was the first number retired by the Yankees? This is an absolute nightmare. Uh, oh goodness me. Nine? No. Dang it. Number four. Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. I didn't know he was the first one. There you go. And the first person to uh, have his number retired by Major League Baseball. Yeah, that is good. Okay. I'll give you you a multiple choice one on this one. (laughs) Might be too hard for this one. The The Yankees were the first team to use numbers on uniforms. What year was it? 1916, 1921... 1929 or 1935? 1929. Correct. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah. <laughs> good work, man. I Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I didn't give John multiple choice there. I just let him do a, a little guess there. and uh, That would probably be too tough. There. I appreciate but, you taking pity on me. Yes. All right. So uh, the tallest player to ever wear a Yankees uniform. Oh well, I kind of feel like I, I might be cheating on this because I think you guys were discussing this just as uh, as I as I picked up the stream. But um, not knowing what you guys were speaking about, um, I would have said Randy Johnson. You're correct. 
Oh, well, there you go. I didn't realize that was the right answer. I thought you were discussing guys who were taller than him. Yeah, the six, the six foot ten big unit yeah. pitched, I believe, three seasons as a Yankee. Had a better record than his um, reputation in New York would suggest. Um, but uh, just never settled at all in the Bronx, unfortunately. Mm. Well, he ruined his reputation before he even put the jersey on, right? By <laughs> by accosting cameraman. By accosting cameraman on like day what day like walked out, signed his contract, and assaulted a, a reporter. It? it was I think I think it was as he was arriving. Was it? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh. See, I didn't even know that one. You guys got one of me. I think he was quite open about the fact that he just didn't feel settled in New York in any way, shape, or form. He went for the money, basically, <laughs> and. Uh, and a chance to, to play in the playoffs. Which is the playoffs for the Mariners, he played in the playoffs for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, but by the time by the time he was a Yankee, the Diamondbacks had fallen off and I think he wanted one last kind of hurrah yeah, uh, and a chance to go back to the big the big dance. I mean you guys like like thirty eight year old you know retired veterans, you know, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. We're getting younger. And also more fragile, Bob. <laughs> Ironically enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> now that we're not signing, we're like it's no longer the Yankee retirement program; it's the Yankee healthcare program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we already talked about John Paxton. We'll be all right. Uh, all these Mariners pictures we keep getting, right? Exactly. I know Justice Sheffield's tearing it up in Maryland. <laughs> we haven't even touched. We haven't t- even touched on Big Mike Pineda, who I believe threw his first pitch as a Yankee two years after he signed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, we we did just as fine with, with uh, Jesus uh, Montero on our end as well. <laughs> yes. When, you, when your minor league coach, you know, throws ice cream sandwiches at you to uh, tell you to lose some weight. <laughs> that was one of those trades that was just it looked really, really good on paper. It looked like both sides could get something out of it, and it just didn't work for anyone. No. No. All right, number five. There was two Yankees going head-to-head on the final day of the 1984 season for the batting title. Who won it? 1984. 1984. So I was four years old, and, and John was still a twinkle in his, All right, I'll in give his you father's hand. eye. So it, was, it came down to the final day of the season between Dave Winfield and Don Manley. Who won it out of them? I would, say, I would say Winfield. That was Manny Lee. Oh, see? <laughs> it came down to the final day of the season. Um, Winfield went in with a higher batting average, went one for five, and uh, Manny went four for five to take the title. Oh, my days. Um, Why did I trust my instinct? I should have gone with Donnie Baseball, right? I put, I'd say I put that question in there just for you. <laughs> so I, but then I'm overthinking it. I thought you were trying to trip me up by throwing in a Donnie Baseball fact, and then I'd make an idiot of myself. But I'm doing that perfectly well all by myself, right? We do. He's a he, he has a cheeky yeah. bastard to be fair to him. <laughs> As you're about to say. Uh, oh, great! <laughs> right. So, uh, who did the Yankees lose to in the 1995? <laughs> in the in the win? Ninety-five playoffs. Who Ninety-five playoffs. Uh-huh. Don't overthink it. Red Sox. No Mariners. Mariners. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I'm trying to give you some softballs. Here. <laughs> right. you, you, you probably won't guess this one. This was a John question. But which Yankee won the rookie year in 1970? If you don't know, it's fine. I, 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 no, I don't know. It was uh, John? Thurman Munson. 
Oh, so okay. His favorite player. So I threw that. Ah, uh, see. All right. We have the last three questions here, and then we'll get on to the interview. So, how many times did Billy Martin manage the Yankees? Four. Oh, you said if you guys would have combined your answers, you would have been right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Did you go with one, John? Did you? No, I went. Mean, I went with uh, with oh, six. Take an average. Yep, there we go. If, yeah, average. If if you if you count the commercial where George Steinbrenner hired and then <laughs> fired Billy Martin, I was correct. That would make it six times, Jason. I'm just saying. I, I, that's not. Remember, we, this is what the internet tells me. The internet. Did not... <laughs> oh well, I mean, if you're taking your answers off the internet, then I'm like six for six so far, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, question nine. How much did New Yankee Stadium cost to build? Oh, I feel like I should know this. The house that Jeter built. Um, when did it open? 2000-ish. 2000 ish. 2009. 2009. Uh, $600 million? $1.5 Oh, wow. That was pretty far out. <laughs> that's not bad for what used to be their car park. Yeah, exactly. I guess yeah. that's why they're charging sixteen dollars for popcorn as well, right? Uh, is it like twelve dollar billiards? You know something like that. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> no, a wee bit of trivia about the Yankees home opener that year. Um, it was a four game series with the Cleveland Indians, and while I don't remember the exact number of home runs hit, it's set by quite a considerable margin. The all-time record for the first ever series at a new ballpark. Right. Okay. We love it. It's, even it, though we built a new stadium, we still kept a short porch because we're not stupid. Yeah. CC Sabathia, who had been highly lauded, got absolutely <laughs> smoked <laughs> in his uh, oh. in, in the home opener. That, that guy's a legend. Yeah. All right. Last question, and then we'll get on to the interview. All right. In 1973, George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees. How much did he pay CBS for? Uh, it was something that seems pretty ludicrous now, wasn't it? Like ten million dollars or something. Uh, pretty close, eight point seven million. Eight point seven, yeah. New something like small, yeah. I mean, you can't even you can't even buy the Marlins for less than a billion these days, right? So exactly, yeah. And, you know, they don't even have uh, any uh, Jeter down there. You know, no, that's it. Not bad. Like I said, it was pretty. You know, we, we kind of sprung this on you. you didn't know uh, you have to do ten questions about your team. And- yeah, I know. Gone. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't bad. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but oh, that was good. I learned some stuff. That's for sure. Well, great. Cool, John. Do you want to anything, or should we jump into the interview? Let's just get right to it, man. Um, so, Graham. Uh, Tell us, first off, uh, when did you begin to become interested in baseball? Uh, I'm particularly interested in learning how you became a Yankees fan. And uh, how did you transition into being involved at a playing level in Scotland? So my my journey into baseball, um, it sort of very closely mirrors your own, actually. Um, prior to that, prior to the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, Channel 5 days, um, I was vaguely aware of the game. Um, I used to be a big fan of Trans World Sport on Channel 4 on a Sunday morning, or Saturday morning it may have been, uh, and baseball was quite often covered there. Um, the Yankees were the team that always seemed to be getting talked about, probably because they were going through their hot streak where they were winning lots of stuff, and 
Um, of course, at the time, the the NY, the, the fashion side of Yankees was obviously very prevalent as it is now. Um, and that's really the main reason I gravitated towards the Yankees. I thought, oh, you know, it seems quite interesting. Learned a little bit about them, the history or something. Well, not too much of the history as I've just demonstrated in a quiz. Um, but, you know, the, the general history of the of, uh, of the club and the success and the all that kind of thing. And they just kind of stuck with me. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it was the, uh, the Channel 5 era that, really got me hooked on the game. I remember uh, when we moved into, or we got our house redecorated um, and Channel 5, I don't think I'd been long launched and I talked my mother into uh, getting an aerial upgrade so we could receive the fifth television channel. Um, not, indeed not for the softest of soft porn that they used to show after like 11 o'clock, <laughs> purely for baseball, purely for Wednesday night baseball and Sunday not, night baseball. Not for not for family affairs? No, 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 no. I, I, I do not know what you speak of, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, don't worry. One, one, one was a so popular. No, was it? <laughs> I will take your word for that. But I know, I, I know I'm, I'm vaguely aware of the movies uh, yeah. that you're talking about, me being, uh, me being around the... Uh, 12 years uh, old. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, I'm forgetting. You'd be, uh, yeah, I've got, I think, six or seven years on you, so a little bit older. Um, and yeah, it was great. It was, uh, I used to do it on a, on a Wednesday night. You get the Wednesday night game and the, the Sunday night ESPN game. Um, and that was really the, the main reason for, for wanting to try and get Channel 5. I thought it was super interesting that they were, that they were showing the games. Um, being a, a reasonably early adopter of the internet, I guess, sort of back in 98, 99, um, did a little bit of internet search and found out there was a team in Edinburgh. And around about early 2000, I think 2001, I discovered the Edinburgh team, the Edinburgh Devils as they were then, and thought, oh, I must go along and play, I must go along and play. Um, and I had a rather unfortunate accident, believe it or not, with an office chair, where I really fell off an office chair. Uh, and in order to catch myself, I, I, in a rather dramatic fashion, threw my arms up in the air and hurt my shoulder. So that's the crux of my shoulder issues, which no doubt will be discussed at great length later on in this interview, <laughs> if Jason has his way. Oh, yeah. I was just <laughs> still, oh, you're still, oh, that's cool, yeah. Um, so, that, so I planned to go along and start playing then. It didn't happen because I hurt myself. Um, in 2001, I travelled to Australia. I have friends and family, I guess, like a lot of us do in Australia. Uh, traveled to the Gold Coast and stayed with my friend um, Luke, who I'd made friends with in 1994 on a previous holiday uh, when I was over with my, my family. But I, uh, I went over solo this time just to go and see him again and kind of hang out. Um, and on the second day I was there, uh, he was playing in a local beer league baseball game. I said, oh, you like a bit of baseball? Do you want to come along? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come along and watch. That'll be kind of fun, you know. Uh, second day there, jet lagged like you wouldn't believe um sit in the sun uh with a beverage and enjoy some beer league baseball and you know meet some friends and, and whatever else so it turns out they were a player short um so i was very hastily given a bat uh, and some form of head protection uh, and told to get out there and, and be their ninth uh and that was this, that was my introduction to playing the game in my first at bat i took a a pitch off a pitch off uh, my posterior uh, and that was me hooked after that. After after one at bat and getting hit in the ass, uh, I played the game in uh, in Australia. I really loved it. I think I played two more while I was there, and then came back and uh, and joined up with the Edinburgh team, uh, and that started that journey back here in Scotland. As we know, gentlemen, once you take a ball to the bum, That's you never it. go back. 
it's the it's the rite of passage getting hit by that pitch, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, it's either it's better that than the rib cage, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and you're always going to get either or. Um, so talk to us then about your transition into playing here. Now, obviously, you would have probably debuted long before the inception of the Scottish National League. So I imagine you've done some travelling with the Edinburgh guys uh, back when you first were uh, around. You would have started playing for the Devils long before even Jason arrived, sure. I would imagine. No, I think I have two weeks on Jason. So it's, it's kind of funny. So myself and Jason, we started, I think, within a couple of weeks of each other. Is that right? That's correct, yeah, because uh, I think you joined right before they went to Belgium. And That's right. And I had emailed them right when they left for that, and they were going to get in touch on there. So I think you went to that last train before they left, and I joined the first train and came back. Mm. So the two of us started within two weeks of each other, and another one of our really good friends, um, Nick, who lives in uh, in Canada, he started around the same time as well. It's funny how the three of us kind of uh, gravitated together and kind of bonded together in the in the Edinburgh team. But yeah, like I say, this was back in the in the the BBF days when we were still uh, playing in what was then the National League North um, and travelling to. I mean, anything north of the Watford Gap was what they called, uh, what they classed as north. I think the furthest we travelled for a Sunday doubleheader was to Birmingham and back. Um, and that was actually one of my first road trips where uh, it was a case of the minibus would pick you up at 4am. We would drive kind of six hours south, uh, play two games of baseball, get back in the, the minibus and drive the six hours home again, get home at maybe two thirty, three in the morning, grab like three or four hours sleep and then up and off to work on the Monday morning. You know, these were the real, the real crazy days when you know we were making big efforts to to play the games uh, and, and making these crazy one day road trips on a Sunday. Um, and it, it was it was good. You know, it bonded. It definitely bonded a group of people together. That's for sure. When you're spending that amount of time in a minibus, uh, uh, getting your your rookie hazing of um, having to buy the gentleman's literature from the first motorway service station that you stop at on, on the road trips and that kind of thing, you know. Uh, yeah, it was good. And like I say, we did a, did a lot of traveling in the UK, obviously playing all, um, playing all around the kind of mid, Midlands and, and north of England uh, at that time that was just us. And um, teams in the West Coast would kind of pop up and disappear. I know you guys have spoken about it on the podcast before with the uh, Strathclyde team and GBA and how that's morphed into the three teams that we have now. Um, Mammoth Hill was always a, always a favourite place as well. The uh, US Air Force Base, which I think it's technically RAF Mammoth Hill, um, which is down in the Yorkshire Moors. Um, those were always good uh, good trips going down there. Uh, take your passport to get in, uh, armed police at the gates and all that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it was really good. I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the traveling, even though it was kind of hard. Uh, used to do a fair bit of the driving. Once we stopped doing the minibus, when it became a bit too expensive to be renting it, we would just uh, squad up and go down in cars, and it was always uh, always good fun. And the, my little Renault Clio, we used to pile four or five of us in and drive down to Leeds or Manchester or Liverpool or whatever of a Sunday morning and get a couple of games in and drive home. It was, uh, it was good times. Now, do you have any particularly strong memories uh, or achievements that you that you would like to share from that? I mean, <clears throat> the overwhelming memory, I guess, uh, not really a good one, and it does happen at Menmouth Hill. Uh, so, I, I guess I have the distinction of managing to get the Edinburgh Diamond Devils and, and British baseball, I guess, into the mainstream media. Um, so, I was playing in uh, playing in centre field down at Menmouth Hill. 
Uh, and one of my teammates, uh, a guy from Norway called Henrik, who uh, I still keep in touch with on Facebook, actually. Surprising. We, we were playing um, a fly ball, came up uh, between kind of heading out to right field a little bit between myself and Henrik. I was playing center for that day, quite why they had a slightly overweight smoker playing center field. I have no idea. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so a ball, uh, a ball between us, he, he's running directly at it from right field. I'm running directly at it from center field. We both dive for the ball. Um, had a, horrific i think was the the word that they used in the sun uh horrific collision (laughs) um i broke his leg in four places um i think i cracked some ribs uh got off exceptionally lightly um game was abandoned fortunately because it was on the uh because it was on the raf base they had ambulance and fire brigade and stuff like basically watching the game and they all just piled out and came and helped Henrik and got his leg in a splint. And I think he spent three or four days down down there in hospital. And then one of the guys on the team, Mammoth Hill team, drove him back up to Edinburgh and stuff. So Nelson, that's, for, Nelson, that's right. Yeah, ironically, yeah, with my surname, yeah. Uh, Nelson was a good guy. So yeah, that's why my over, overriding memory of uh, um, of my of my playing days, unfortunately. Uh, the good, I mean, the good times... Definitely the European trips. The European trips were always fun. Um, I was lucky enough to travel twice with the Devils. Uh, Jason with me both times. We went to uh, Rouen in the north of France, uh, where we did we was it was it the Rouen tournament we won our first first European match at. No, we didn't win our first one until Belgium. Oh, it was Belgium, was it? Yeah, we've got three tournaments in us. We have uh, Rouen, we have Lithuania, and we have Belgium. Mm, I didn't. I didn't do the the. I didn't do the Belgium one. I only did two. Yeah, no, we, we unfortunately uh, were uh, winless in all those. Oh, right. uh, I thought we beat the drunk Finnish team in, in Rouen. I don't remember them. Was that in Rouen? I, I, think, was I thought it was, but I, could, I, I, I mean, we were fairly drunk that trip as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. I, uh, I thought it was in Belgium that we had that. Oh, maybe it was Rouen. Yeah, I think it might have been. We'll need to go back and <laughs> check <laughs> the record books. Uh, yeah, I, I I think Jason yeah. was just really, <laughs> really drunk. So the thing is, you go to these tournaments, John, and you're like, all right, first day there, we're like, there's curfew, we're going to try to do the best, and then uh, you, you see the team you're playing with, and it's just a, a slaughter. I mean, it's it's not a pretty sight. I mean, uh, gosh, in Lithuania, I think I pitched a possible, like, 23 of 27 innings, you know. Uh, it, it, the, the talent out in Europe is much higher than what we're used to. Um, so then you just kind of go, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just go get drunk and have fun. And, uh, <laughs> the Finnish team had had the same kind of approach really. Ah, oh, fuck it. We're going to get slaughtered. Let's get hammered. So, you know, uh, it was 8 a.m. game. Uh, we had to beat the field at like 7. You know, so basically everyone got up at like 6.59 and jumped on the bus to get down there. And no one really wanted to be there. <laughs> but yeah, we did it. So, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe that was wrong. Cause it was I a think pre- it was. Because we had Todd Gillespie and Spurlock and Rit, Rit was on there, myself. I think Moose was on that trip. Uh, I think he might have been, yeah. yeah. So we had a quite stacked lineup where we could actually could, could do quite well. Davey Farr, was he on that as well? Yeah, I would say so, yeah, because he, well, he was certainly in Lithuania, so the, and that was the year after. So I don't think there'd been any reason for him not to be in, in Rouen. In fact, yeah, I'm sure he was, yeah. But that was, like, that was only about five or six weeks after I had my unfortunate incident with Henrik. Because I spent most of the time coaching, and I played a little bit in the last game. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to look at the, I'll bring the pictures and see if I can find anything. But yeah, yeah funnily enough, I'm, I'm on the CEB website trying to find the results and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it only goes back to 2007. That's how old we are. We predate the internet. Yeah, exactly. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so those those trips were definitely a good time. Um, for, almost more for the, the sort of laddie banter side of it than, than the games. Like I say, the games were pretty hard. Um, great experiences, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, we did beat uh, a Finnish team who, who were still drinking pretty much at 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, that's the one and only time I've been asked for an autograph, uh, an autograph as well. Because uh, in, in Rouen, they had pretty decent crowds. They had like a stand behind the uh, behind home plate. And I think they were bussing in like school kits from the schools around the area and stuff to come and watch the games, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I remember getting asked for an autograph and I thought that was pretty awesome. I got to sign a kid's baseball and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds really sweet, actually, yeah. Um, we should we should look at the Institute and something like that in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although maybe, although now that I think about it, that might not be the best idea in Scotland because uh, baseball bats are primarily a lethal weapon here rather than, a, than, a, than something you use for sport. I don't think <laughs> yeah, I remember I used to take the bats to, um, to training and I didn't know any better and I would just kind of carry them down the street and kind of <laughs> on my shoulder and then people would part when I was going like, I just did that. The police officer said, hey, uh, what are you doing with the bats? I'm like, I'm going to baseball. They're like, yeah, sure you are. And just opened up the bag, showed my glove. I'm like, damn it, you are going to baseball. Can, can you put that in your bag, please? There's a, a, great, uh, a great line from, this is, this is not my line, but it's like, oh, there's, it's surprising there's not so much baseball in this country because like Argos sell like 500 baseball bats a year, but zero baseballs. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> that's telling a story, right? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I think, you might be, I think you're was, right. Yeah, yeah I've, I've rather butchered yeah. it and rather paraphrased <laughs> it, but yeah. yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so um, when did you, did you go play well, anymore? Um, you the last few years, no, it's been kind of difficult. So um, in 2000 and, how old am I now? 39. So in 2007, I think, 2008, um, I, I moved from Edinburgh to where I am now, up to Aberdeen, uh, uh, with work. Um, not for oil at the start, but of course, uh, Aberdeen being the way it is now, I work in the oil industry. Uh, so at the time, there was no team in Aberdeen, uh, and I was still traveling back down. So for the first kind of year, sort of 18 months, uh, I traveled down to Edinburgh and was still keeping involved as much as I could with the, with baseball in Edinburgh. Uh, and then when the team started up here in Aberdeen, I think Jason and I had a stab at trying to get it off the ground maybe two years before Stephen Evans successfully got the team off the ground. Uh, and the first year that they existed... Um, I didn't play. I had not long become a father, uh, much like yourself, John, and, and you can appreciate how much time that takes away from you. Uh, and then the last two years, uh, I've played a little bit off and on. Uh, the body's starting to fail me, regrettably. Um, I pulled a hamstring at the end of the season, kind of two years ago, and I've never seemed to be able to shake it off. Uh, so that's put a, a bit of a limit on my playing time. Uh, and yeah, just age and, and family commitments and these things being what they are. It's uh, the game, the playing side of the game certainly is starting to get away from me a little bit. Now you said the playing side, do you have any, is there any possibility of you returning to baseball? As perhaps I'd certainly like to, forward? yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really made a, a final decision on what I was going to do this year. Not that it was like, you know, going to be... <laughs> 
like the the David Ortiz farewell farewell tour, where I'll be presented with plaques and and many goodies when I travelled travelled around the baseball fields of Scotland. Um, but no, I hadn't quite made up my mind if I was going to play this year or not. I, the idea was to go to a few trainings, see how the body felt, and maybe give it like another crack at doing another year. Um, you know, since I started back playing up here in Aberdeen, I've always said that you know traveling isn't really an option. You know, taking the Sundays out to go and play when you know we only get two days with the kids as it is, uh, and plus it gives my old body a little bit of time to recover as well. Uh, so I hadn't really made a final decision. I absolutely would love to to keep involved with the game up here. I like say maybe a little bit of coaching or even just to go along and train and. Uh, you know, just for a bit of a bit of personal fitness, and you know, it's 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 still nice to throw a ball around. I kind of miss it. Uh, I miss the camaraderie. You know, being around teammates and uh, and having a bit of, having a bit of banter and that. Even if they do all make me feel really old because they're all far younger, far better looking, and far more talented than I ever was. <laughs> Jason, would you like to so, ask anything further? I forgot uh, one highlight of your. Uh time in, in with the devils here um and do you want to touch on probably your, your favorite moment of lithuania uh i.e uh being the president of lithuania well that, i mean that was a highlight uh <laughs> we won't go yeah. into highlights but we'll talk about that one in particular yeah i mean the lithuania tournament was pretty awesome uh that was at the opening was the president of lithuania there i remember distinctly meeting the american ambassador for lithuania because we ended up randomly bumping into him again halfway through the trip when we when we did a little day trip. Uh, I don't know if you recall, we went to the, the castle. I don't even remember its name now. Cracky. Is that right? You were good at this. Um, yeah, the one between uh, Kaunas and, and Vilnius. And we ended up bumping into the uh, the American ambassador for, to Lithuania there again. I don't know. I didn't remember the president being at the opening ceremony. He was. Yeah, he was the one that opened up the the stadium because. Um, so I can't remember if I told you the story now, John, but it was an old horse racing track which they happened to manage to fit a baseball field in. Yeah, I think we did discuss this on a previous podcast, um, and I think you. As most of these stories end up, you guys got absolutely hammered with well, this, uh, this Lithuanian yeah, president. So he came along with the American ambassador down there, and they, they cut a ribbon for us. And uh, they were, uh, I guess I was in charge of the team at that point, uh, <laughs> loosely saying. Uh, these things were, Graham actually organized a trip to Lithuania, did a lot of hard work and organized it. So we had 10 days there, uh, and that was by far the best baseball trip I've ever been on. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they just kind of grabbed me and they said, hey, you, you want to come meet the president of Lithuania and just kind of represent your country? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, grab someone. So I, I grabbed Graham and uh, yeah, we went off to this kind of like secluded area uh, and they sat us down and gave us some beers and food to kind of hang out. And I think we talked to him for about a minute, shook his hand and he went off. But it was pretty still pretty cool to say we got to meet the president of Lithuania. I do remember that now. It's funny how that slipped out of my mind. Yeah, because so we were, we were hanging out. We're like, can you believe it? Here we are. It's like 25 degrees. Like we're, we're all in shorts and our tops on. And we're drinking these beers and kind of waiting for the president of to show up for two minutes to say hello. And that was it. I was, I was, there was a, quite a few things were, were quite random about that trip. That is for sure. That and the, 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 uh, the dancing in the open ceremony as well. Yes, the, the opening ceremony was definitely unique. It was yeah, unique. That's that's a good way of putting it. I think I think these kids were trying to line dance. It was like a line dance thing to the most inappropriate song I've ever heard. Like it? school kids should not be dancing to the song that says uh, 
Burgi. We drink tequila while she talks dirty in Spanish. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but we're all pissing ourselves laughing because I don't think they had any translation for it. I think like, hey, it's the country song. It's American. We'll play this. We'll do some kind of dancing to it, man. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, now, before you go, Graham, um, since I have you here, uh, Jason being an American fellow, um, he calls you Graham. <laughs> And I've always wanted to know how does it how does feel? feel? Well, it's, uh, I guess I'm kind of used to it. What the, the the bit of it that's funny is when so uh, I'm Graham G R A E, which is slightly, which is even more confusing to those of uh, of an American persuasion because um, they obviously have their their Graham crackers or Graham crackers. Um, so when they see it spelt the way that I spell it, it causes all manner of issues. Grammy, um, Green. I've had every, oh, and, then, and it's like, no, it's the, But even when you say Graham, they still don't get it. It's like, no, 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 it's Graham, like the cracker. And then they go, oh, and then, yeah, Graham comes out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Jason, Actually, we have to so you, you've got your own baseball card store. Yes, this is true. Yes, yeah. So again, a different way of uh, of staying involved with the sport, um, which makes my lack of knowledge about it even more disgusting. Um, so yeah, Jason and I had often reminisced about uh, baseball carding and, and the collecting of baseball cards. Um, and through the joys of Facebook, we found a small but very passionate community of uh of baseball card collectors here in the UK and uh, in 2016 I got made uh, redundant from my job at the time and took on the stay-at-home dad mantle uh, which obviously uh, inspired Jason to uh, to do the same thing a little bit further down the line um, and it was during that time I, I kind of saw that uh, there was a, a gap in the market perhaps for uh, bringing in supply of baseball cards and that's really how how things started it started as a kind of fun project between uh myself and and jason was involved at the start and helped me get things off the ground as well along with one of our other friends ross who did my uh did my logos and my graphic design and stuff and it started as a kind of fun project for the three of us just to keep us uh keep us entertained and something fun for us to work on um and it's kind of grown arms and legs in the last sort of two and a half years to uh, the point where it's uh, it's grown to quite a quite a reasonably sized little enterprise, and we've moved into doing box breaks and stuff now, and we're starting to expand into uh, sort of baseball themed collectibles, you know, like little Funko Pop figures and uh, and these kind of things. And we've got some of the uh, a rather unique collectible on its way over, actually, which is uh, the official game ball from the 2020 London series game, which has of course been cancelled. So. I uh, managed to get my hands on on a few dozen of those, and they'll be quite cool little keepsakes that we'll have up for sale soon as well. Awesome. Uh, and uh, where can people find um, the So the, the website isn't quite live yet, so we are still running everything on uh, on Facebook, but um, shutoutcards.com. Uh, that'll take you, at the minute, the URL just goes to the Facebook page. Um, we do have some stuff listed on eBay as well, but you can get a link to the eBay site through uh, through the Facebook site. Excellent. And uh, obviously, all the best with the continued success of the store. Um, hope to see you back around the field at some point while the Comets are in town. Um, 
that's all from me, one Jason. Is there anything further Carter. from you? Completely complex. No. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> one more question for you, and then we'll we'll let you go because it's getting late here. Uh, so, which one is the favorite baseball card in your collection, and which one is the most valuable? Well, um, the one that's the most valuable is probably the one that you also have a share in, uh, which is our. Uh, we have a, a Shohei Otani uh, uh, green Mojo Refractor, which is one of only, I think, nine at last count, which is graded a PSA 10, which is like the highest sort of grade that PSA will give out on uh, on a baseball card, which I, I think at the minute is worth something in the region of about $800, I think, the last time I checked. It's been a little while since I checked its value, if I'm perfectly honest. So that would probably be the most expensive one. My favorite card, um, I have a, so tops to a series of cards called Allen and Ginter, which is based on the old cigarette cards from the early 20th century. And as part of that set, they include um, celebrities and pop culture icons from, uh, from the, t the year of the release. Uh, so I have a card that was signed in person by um, Anthony Bourdain, the chef and uh, laterally a travel reporter and did TV shows on um, like CNN and uh, Discovery Channel and Travel Channel and those kind of things um, and I have a card who signed in person by him um, before he tragically committed suicide I think uh, about 14-15 months ago so yeah that's probably my favourite card uh, a close second is the commemorative card I have of 50 cents first pitch at uh, for the New York Mets which was ranks up there as one of the worst first pitches in history. <laughs> uh, so I have, I have that one on my showcase and it's actually sitting yeah. next to the Tony Bourdain card. <laughs> so that's my favourite for an entirely different reason. See, that was a that was a very funny uh, moment and uh, to make it even better uh, was his uh, stint in the, uh, the booth afterwards. He was like, oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no that wasn't 50 Cent, that was Curtis Jackson. He, he oh, of around. course, I know that clip from, <laughs> I guess a lot of people might know that clip from the breaks on MLB.TV. It plays all the time, oh, yeah. Because yeah. it plays a lot, does it? it I plays a lot, yeah. During that, yeah, that probably was. I didn't realize that was him speaking. Actually, I thought yeah. that was one of the just the, one of the, just the color commentators going on and on. <laughs> that was that was Curtis Jackson. We all love Fifty Cent. I didn't realize that was him saying that. Ah, oh, that's pretty. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. That yeah, no, a really I cool twist yeah. on that. There you go. Look how much you've taught me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show Graham it's been a pleasure hopefully we'll get a chance That'd to great, uh, yeah. catch up again sometime soon um, no worries thank you yeah, thanks yeah, very man. much thanks for coming for on man. It's good time, yeah. yeah man we'll, we'll catch up soon no worries so again uh, Jason we want to thank Graham Nelson for joining us on the show that was a fantastic chat um, some enlightening stories I uh, particularly enjoyed the one about the the dancing children in Lithuania. That's what, what a fucking crazy time that must have been. Uh, must have it could must have been surreal to be there in person. Yeah, you know what the funny thing was is I remember going there and um, you could buy a liter of beer for thirty five pence. <laughs> oh my god! Don't tell Scottish people and that. I don't know. This is what changed. I mean, this was uh, two thousand and four, and yeah, I mean, like we went to go and they, they were selling like hats and uh, shirts and the thing, and they're like. Yeah, it's this much. Like, yeah, we want both. Like, yeah, it's both of that. It was like five pounds. I'm like, okay, well, I'll take two then. It's like a pie some for friends. Like, oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Um, what do you have? Uh, we are recording on Thursday. Uh, what do you have today for this day in baseball history? I'd say above on baseball. So it's, I've had a few people reach out to this one and said this should be like a national holiday. But uh, this day on 
what is the date today? Is it the seventh? Seventh of May. Seventh of May. Bartolo Colon became the oldest person in baseball to hit a home run at 42 years old, and he hit a home run off um, way no James Shields of the Padres, and he homered at Petco Field. Oh yeah, yeah. He smoked it, didn't yep, he? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just like a, a wall scraper; it was an absolute banger of a home I run. I think he put all his weight into that one and nicely smoked it. If Bartolo Colon had put all of his weight into it, it would have probably hit the space station. Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but <laughs> he's a big boy, is Bartolo. Yeah. Um, that's just crazy, man. Uh, big sexy, as he's known. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a good one. That, that, as soon as I saw that one, I was like, yeah, we've got to put that one down today. That was, that was too big of a mess up. <laughs> I can't remember what else. There were some other cool stuff that was happening today. When, uh, when I came across it, I was like, no, nah, big sexy gets a nod today. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I've watched that video a few times over and over again. It was a good laugh. Yeah, that's a great highlight, man. Um, this has been a great episode. Uh, people can... So to tell us, Jason, where the listeners can find more of this content on social media? So you can find my daily uh, This Day in Baseball content on Bubba on Baseball, and that's across all your social media channels. Of course, I got my shop, uh, The Got Classics. We're doing quite well, so thank you for your continued support. We're growing and growing, and hopefully maybe this time next year we'll actually have a brick-and-mortar store that you can come and visit. So uh, feel free to visit it on the social media channels at thegotclassics.com. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's it for me. Great, man. Uh, pick up the show on social media. It's Twitter, at Caps and Pipes, or just Ball Caps and Bagpipes on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Ball Caps and Bagpipes on Instagram as well, but that's not really... We don't use that as much. No, we, we were just kind of uh, domain squatting. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at John Caps Pipes. And uh, we don't have any baseball to talk about right now, so... Hopefully we see you guys in another week or two and we'll have some more baseball news for you. Yep, certainly. And we'll try and get another great guest on. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat this week's guest, though. Uh, it was a fantastic chat that we had with uh, with Graham there. And uh, I guess all that's left to say is uh, Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.